Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. I'm doing good. I am doing good. Just got done with a workout, so I am dead right now. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> if you guys have seen me in person, you know I'm not the biggest person in the world. So try to try to do, try to do something to change that. Try to do something. <laughs> it gets harder the older older you get. Hey, that's the thing. You know, I'm 40 years old now, uh, as of June. So I, I don't think I've waited too late. But yeah, uh, it's it's definitely harder. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, I wise up with age, so I was like, why didn't I do this, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, I, 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 I probably should be working out myself, but <laughs> that's good that you're doing it. Hey, well, put it this way, who knows what's going to happen when football season starts. I'll have, I have all these good intentions, but I know how busy <laughs> that time of year gets, so um, I hope I can keep it up. Yeah, once some tailgates start, you might you might not be any more working. That, that's the thing. I need it. I need. I'll need it then more than ever. So <laughs> <laughs> that is that is it. That is it for sure. So, all right. I figured get together. Uh, been a been a little bit uh, vacations and all that kind of stuff happening. So kind of back settled down a little bit now when. SEC media days last week, so we kind of can turn the page a little bit from recruiting. We know I know we got that barbecue this weekend and all that. We could talk a little bit about that. I, I kind of wanted this to kind of get together, you know, talk a little bit of pure football uh, again with SEC media days being last week and all the storylines we got from that, and then the the order of finish and all SEC players that came out on Friday, and then um, if we have time and, and get into it, also I was going to bring up. Yeah, you guys know I'm on the Bill King – or some of you know I'm on the Bill King show every Tuesday morning up in Nashville. Um, and they, they just you know have peppered me with some pretty good questions lately. I forget the um, um, person's name who gives them to Bill, but he just – he has these random questions that he wants to ask all the guests. Bill's got a lot of guests from a lot of teams out there. So, of course, I do Florida. Uh, I think Florida State, Georgia, LSU all have representatives uh, from the media that join Bill's show every week. And uh, I think he's asked this question to, to most of them, uh, but underrated player, you know, a player that isn't being discussed but will be by season's end. You know, I went – with Cam Jackson, uh, I think uh, they asked for a kind of national narrative on that. So I think we know Cam Jackson. So that's one reason I went with him. And I'm not so sure how much the nation knows. And he's one player I think the nation will know by the end of the year. Uh, and then a bubble wrap player, one player that uh, you don't think Florida can do without this year. Uh, I didn't want to go quarterback because that's just kind of obvious. I kind of wanted to go away from that. So if you, uh, I shared it in here, but the player I went with was Ricky Pearsall. Uh, just because of the experience at the, in, in the receiver room is it's not much besides him as far as proven production. So we can get into that uh, a little bit too. For, of course, Keontae Goodwin, uh, unfortunately, transferring out for Florida, going back home to Kentucky to take care of his mom uh, who's dealing with cancer. So uh, well wishes and, and well thoughts going along there. Uh, so you know we can get into the offensive line talk a little bit as well. So I think we got plenty, plenty uh, to talk about here as far as pure football goes off of SEC media days and all those storylines. Uh, right there. So, um, 
And I think we'll go back to it a little bit. And uh, let's just start the most recent. We'll go to Friday in Florida being picked fifth in the SEC East. I don't, I don't think it was the huge surprise, but, man, it still still stings to see that. <laughs> you know, be, be, being the Gator fans that we are, we don't want to uh, – while as realistic as it could be and may be in some instances, we'll see what, what the season holds for us. But uh, it still stings seeing our Gators thought about in, in, in that manner. So hopefully they can go – you know, buck the trend and, 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 and of all these picks right here, to all, of all the preseason magazines and websites out there, and now the, the, the media putting it out there as well. Uh, and then also only three Gators selected in the All-SEC team, and they're all third team uh, with Trevor Etienne, Princely uh, Umami Yellen, and Jason Marshall. So uh, I think that's the most recent one. I think we can start with uh, – did you any of you guys expect, expect Florida to maybe be higher than fifth? I, I don't think we could have uh, – I don't think we could have expected Florida to be any higher than third. Uh, I wouldn't have been completely shocked if Florida was third, fourth, or fifth. I think uh, I think we can all see um, the reason Florida is, is in that three-team race with South Carolina, Kentucky. Um, yeah, yeah, South Carolina, Kentucky, and then, and then Florida behind those two. Uh, but uh, it, it, it wasn't surprised they were fifth. But I wouldn't have been surprised if they were fourth or third either. Well, I'll definitely say that it's been abundantly clear since the beginning of the offseason started that the national media, the SEC network, no one thinks highly of the Florida Gators. And even to a certain extent, I don't know if I see a lot of faith in Billy Napier from the national media. Us as Gator fans, we have faith in him. But I don't necessarily see that in the national media, though, either. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. You guys, I know you guys know I had Braden Gall on uh, from Athlon, and uh, you know, currently I agree with you. I do think, I do think a lot, a lot of people think he can figure it out. Now I don't know if a lot of people out there think he can get it to a national title level. I, I, I don't get that narrative. I, I think you're right about that, Coach Coach Guns. Uh, but uh, I love the name, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, like. I, I do, there, there is the, the narrative out there, I think, from the national that Florida needs to be patient. I, I do think they like Napier long term. Now, I don't know if they like long, Napier long term, national title wise, but I do think going into this year, uh, they don't think he's a miracle worker. They don't think you know Florida's going to go out there and win eight, nine games. They don't. You know, they, they expect Florida to not be the surprise team. When you hear surprise team in the SEC. Florida's name's not really brought up. It's always Kentucky's name brought up. Even South Carolina this year, Arkansas's name is being brought up uh, a good bit in that uh, in, in that regard. You're not the teams Florida's around, and the teams Florida's kind of grouped with in these preseason uh, division listings. All the other teams are picked as sleeper teams and surprise teams. You're, you're right. You're not here in Florida as that sleeper or surprise. And I don't know what that is. You know, is it a probably maybe a, 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 not a belief in Napier uh, a year or two away? Um, like I said, I think most of the narratives that they like him long term, but uh, not much there this year. You know what I think it is too is I think Anthony Richardson didn't do him any favors mm. being drafted so high because the whole if you're not part of you're not close to the program like we are and follow the program every day. All you see from the outside is Anthony Richardson was drafted in the top five and Billy Napier couldn't win with a top five quarterback. They didn't see or know like we do that, you know, Anthony had his issues. He was a young quarterback and there was a maturation process he had to go through. 
all the national media sees is, oh, Billy couldn't win with a top five quarterback. He doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, uh, that, that, that is certainly out there. And, and something we heard a lot of uh, coming, coming out of the draft. Uh, you know, a lot of rival fan bases wanted to throw that in the face. Yeah, how does Napier only win, you know, six games with, with, with the number four pick? So, yeah, you're right. Um, not following it as close as we do, that, uh, that's, the easy, that's the easy target that I think is, that, that's thrown out there. Um, what about some other players that maybe you guys expected to maybe be named all SEC? I didn't do this in the episode on Friday because uh, I kind of had planned on doing this chat over the weekend of getting, you know, I can, I can throw some other names out there. I think probably could have been added to the all SEC um, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts and see who you, know, who you think could be on there. Uh, I don't want to take all the thunder, but I will say I, Austin Barber was the name I thought Mike could sneak in uh, along the offensive line. No, he's not a well-known uh, a well-known name outside of Gainesville uh, there, but what he was able to do last year and, and, and coming in uh, right there along the offensive line, I, I was thinking probably a third team for him if if he was going to be put on there. I didn't think much higher than that. Uh, he was one player, uh, I, I think, maybe even by season's end, we, we probably could see his name uh, on, on there if we were looking at offense. Uh, but he was he was a name I wouldn't have been surprised to see uh, right there on third team. But the, the, actually, and the guys mentioned Montreal Johnson, of course. Um, and I did mention this in, in the episode the other day. I would have been fine with him or ETN. Uh, I think ETN as a freshman just kind of flashed, and he has the he has the ETN name uh, to him, so a lot of people are familiar with his brother as well. Uh, and they saw what he did as a freshman when stats were pretty similar uh, to what Montreal Johnson was able to put up last year as well. So uh, Montreal Johnson, Austin Barber on the offensive side of the ball, uh, where I would not have been surprised, and I probably would have listed uh, uh, on you know had I had I had a vote this year. I don't. I don't believe that uh, Mazuka was on any of because that would be the uh, yeah. That'd be the that'd be the guy I would go with. I mean, if he can stay healthy, I feel like he's going to have a good year. Yeah, I don't know how the that was. I guess the part I missed being in Nashville and being around the SEC media is maybe some of the other buzz players. Uh, if he would have been one to be in the transfer, but him missing spring probably didn't do any favors there either. But I'm also I can't tell you how many SEC media members probably even knew. Uh, <laughs> the probably first that he transferred to Florida, second of all that he missed spring, uh, pretty much. So, uh, but yeah, he was pretty lauded uh, what he was able to do at Baylor, and then maybe how he even fits into this offense. You know, kind of a tailor made offense for his play style. Uh, so yeah, probably I, yeah, he, he would have been a name too. I wouldn't have been shocked uh, had, had it been on there. I don't think we should necessarily be surprised that there aren't many names right. on the all-conference because, I mean, if we think about it, it's not like this team is full of stars. I mean, from the outside mm -hmm. looking in, it's just a bunch of average guys, especially where they project us to be. I want to go back and find the list. Let's see. Calls. Uh, I mean, one more. I was maybe a little surprised Pearsall wasn't maybe like third team as well. If I go to third team offense, well, I think that's just because they don't think 
I mean, I don't think they highly of Mertz. That's why. Yeah, there you go. Good point. Really, really good point. Honestly, uh, but then when I go and look at who they had, Anaya Smith, Texas A and M, and Jermaine Burton, Alabama, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> or you also got Brew McCoy, Tennessee, Jacory Brooks at Bama. Uh, second team, um, Antoine Wells from South Carolina. That was se- that was the second team. First team was Malik Neighbors uh, and Lad McConkey. So, you know, based off of who they actually put on there, I can't really argue all, all, all that much. But then you're right too. There's not a lot of high thoughts in Mertz as well. So probably limit Ricky Pearsall in, in, in that regard and probably penalize him in that regard as well. But I'm not even so sure now, given, you know, if I would have looked through the list and, and started listing, I don't think I would have put Pearsall above those, you know, at least going into the season, I wouldn't have put him above those guys really either. But good, good, uh, good thought for Prince Lee and, and Marshall and ET in there. I'm hoping. I think by season's end, like, are there any players that you guys maybe expect? And I guess kind of goes into one of the topics I talked about and I've kind of discussed on the Bill King show uh, last week. You know, underrated player or player that isn't being discussed that will be discussed by season's end. Uh, I think I probably did steal some thunder by putting Cam Jackson <laughs> on the list, but uh, I do think there are a few others, but if there are some, I want to let you guys, you know, probably get in on that one. You can drive that conversation a little bit of, of guys you expect maybe to be all SEC by the time the season's in. I could, I could definitely see Marcus Burt being, being, a, you know, having a big year. I, I know we've mentioned on some, some other chats that we've had, but I, I feel like he's going to, I feel like he's finally got his head right. And, and you know, is is going to have have you know a pretty solid year. I could see him having you know five or six hundred yards receiving this year. Yeah, the thing with him, I guess you know, was our was our, our conversation to Pierce all is you know what happens what happens with quarterback. I mean, it's it's going to be so Graham Mertz dependent. And look, I know it's not set in stone what the staff wants to say, but I think we all agree it's probably Graham Mertz. <laughs> uh, hey, that's one more storyline we can go into too. While we maybe kind of maybe marry marry some talk here. Uh, Napier coming out last week at SEC Media Days and say, hey, we're not going to wait long to name a starter for quarterback. And look, I, that was music to my ears. Uh, that was the question I asked him when he was here in town, uh, when he was with the uh, Clay County Gator Club. And I asked him, you know, w- would there be a timeline uh, for, for, for the quarterback? And he made it sound like there would be, uh, that they didn't really want to drag it on, that they were going to let him compete in the spring, uh, not really seeing a, uh, a name for the starter in the springtime, but it – I did get the vibe that it wasn't going to take long in the fall. And, you know, that's pretty much admitted that. He's like, he just not going to uh, let that drag on too much. And I expect by that first scrimmage, we'll get, uh, we'll get, uh, we'll get our name started there with, with, with Mertz. But, uh, you know, hopefully that's all coming along and he gets a repertoire with those freshman receivers and somebody like Marcus Burke and sounds like Ricky, him and Ricky Pearsall have, have uh, garnered a pretty good relationship uh, so far in this offseason. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think we're all – excited for the potential of some of these wide receivers, but it's going to be so, so dependent on that quarterback. I'm on the Gators roster right now, and uh, it says Graham Mertz is a redshirt junior. Yes. Is, is that correct? It so is. So we could see him for the next two years, possibly. Yes, correct. We could see him this year. We could see him next year. And that was a conversation we were having the other day. Uh, I forgot where it was. I think it was, it, it, it was in here in the Discord. I forget what day it was. 
but what would that mean? Um, there are so many ways you could look at that. Um, if so let's just start with maybe best case scenario, he has a good year that we, you know, Florida gets eight wins. Just, just say eight wins. Um, what does that mean for Graham Mertz? Well, I think that means he probably had an okay season. Um, probably not NFL good season. So he comes back next year. I think that's probably best case scenario. He, he, he has a good enough season this year where Florida wins eight games and you can see a bright spot. Now, you know, if he goes out there and has an excellent year, I think Florida can, can win eight, nine games. Uh, I, I would go that far. If he, by the end of the year, we say he had an excellent year to me, that, that translates to eight or not eight or nine wins. I, I really do think that. Um, but you get that top eight win, you know, you, tops or eight wins, um, then I think there's a scenario he comes back next year and, and maybe looks to build uh, on, on that. Or, um, you know, he stinks it up. Uh, and, you know, he's definitely not good enough to go to the NFL. I'm not sure he transfers again. I guess he could be a grad transfer and go transfer somewhere else um, and, and go try his luck somewhere else. But, uh it, 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 it makes it very interesting for some storylines next year. Uh, with Lagway coming in as a true freshman, if it's a so-so kind of year, do you bring in another transfer quarterback so you don't have to throw Lagway to the Wolves? You're not completely sold on what Graham Mertz did in 2023. Uh, it brings up some some uh, interesting scenarios, but there there I think there's a plausible scenario where he is back uh, as the court. Uh, you know, at, where, basically to your point, he's the quarterback this year and he's the quarterback next year for Florida. As much as I would love to see Lagway next year, I don't believe Billy will intentionally start Lagway next year unless he's somehow some generational talent. Um, even if Graham Mertz somehow shits the bed, uh, I think he will bring in a transfer quarterback, in my opinion. I say the more arms, the better. <laughs> I mean, unless, you know, he goes out there and he has a great year and for whatever reason he comes back. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's a, a top of the quarterback draft this year is pretty darn good. Um, now, if he goes out there and blows it up, maybe he can make a name for himself uh, with the with the schedule Florida has this year. And if he goes out there and plays well, you know, maybe he can assert his name in that group. I, I don't I don't see it at all. Uh, but you know, could he have somewhat of a good year where you know he is thinking about the draft and he goes into that second tier uh, of quarterbacks? Is that enough? Has he had, has he had enough of college football? Can he see the next step at Florida where he can get better, make the team better? Uh, you know, year three in Billy Napier. I mean, there's there's a lot of ways that I think you can go with with Graham Mertz being uh, initially when he brought when, initially when he was brought in, I said it's, I said it was one year. I said it was oh. he's either going to have a good enough year to go to the NFL. Or he's going to have a bad enough year where you don't want him back next year. Uh, but I, the, the closer we get, I can see a scenario where he plays just okay uh, because of mainly because of this offense. I mean, this offense isn't going to ask him to do a lot. He's not going to throw the ball forty times a game unless Florida's just down for whatever reason a, a whole bunch and it has to throw the ball forty times. But I think Florida style of play and, and the style hmm. of play that they play the, the opponents that I don't, I don't think there's going to be. Uh, many runaways for for Florida or the opponent that they're playing. So Florida's going to be in a lot of these games. Um, so you know he's not going to throw the ball forty times. Uh, and I think the style of play is just not going to lend itself to where he's going to go out there and, and, and throw for a crazy amount of yards and turn heads and all that. So uh, I do think I, I keep talking to myself. There is really a plausible scenario where he plays just good enough where you'll want him back next year, and it will probably be better if he's back next year. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure where I saw it, saw it, but uh, I, I seen either it was either on the Discord or it was in, on uh, Twitter that somebody was saying comparing uh, Mert, 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 Mert's to have like a year like uh, like Jackson Dart had with with Ole Miss and just like you know because Jackson really didn't have to make many plays and he just relied on the run game and I kind of feel like that's a you know compare good comparison you know to, to, to compare the two because if we could just rely on the running game and he just make throws here and there I, I still feel like we could win seven or eight games. I'm glad you brought up that because everybody wants to, you know, crown Lane Kiffin and, you know, if something happens in Napier, maybe Lane Kiffin can be head coach and all that. Go look at that old Miss offense last year. <laughs> I mean, you think, you think Napier like running the ball? Go look at, go look at some of those old Miss rush numbers. Uh, you know, you, you, you have what you, you, you play with what you have. Uh, so. But, Tell you what. Yeah. Super excited for this team. Because everyone has written these guys off, obviously with the exception of us. Super excited for these guys to show the world. I mean, that was the vibe I got from from those guys in, in Nashville last week. Uh, you know, I, I talked about that on the episode uh, last week. You could tell uh, there was that uh, there, there, there there was that vibe uh, about them. And then you know, Napier basically coming out and saying, you know, we're not going to let the media, we're not going to let uh, outside perspectives drive the narratives of the, of this team. Uh, so you know, we can think what we want to think about this team. You can think what you want to think about this team, but uh, we're going we're gonna to put our heads down and go to work. Uh, so, and you could, you know, I mean, of course you expect them. That's what media day is uh, a bit. You expect the players to, you know, say we're going to shock the world. We're going to surprise people and all that. But, um, you know, that was at, at least the, you know, the vibe that they were sending out there. What, what, what did, what did all like the, like everybody in the group and like yourself included, uh, yourself, yourself included, Dave, uh, think of like, uh, Napier's quiet confidence he had, like, as far as, you know, like, and the, you know, his SEC media days and everything. Cause he, he just, I mean, the, the players, you know, I, I mean, I know there's a lot of changes in the SEC, you know, with, but I mean, he, they seem, seemed a lot, you know, more confident than a lot of the other SEC teams to, to me, just listening to him. He just was glowing, you know, in the, in the, uh, SEC media days about how excited he was about for the team. Yeah, I forgot where it was. I was listening to an interview with Napier, and it wasn't on any of the main stages. I believe it was 1010 here in Jacksonville. And I think there was the quote where he said, people don't know what I know. Uh, and that really stuck out, because that's not really like Napier. Uh, and I, I hope it wasn't tongue-in-cheek. I hope it wasn't, you know, quote-unquote, I guess fake is maybe the word to put in there. He's, he doesn't come across to me. Now, that doesn't mean Flores go out there and win eight, nine games. Um, you know, that's not what I mean by that. Uh, and it's not me saying he put on a brave face by saying that and Florida goes away and wins, you know, six games this year. Uh, but I do think I, with that comment, I do think he probably has some co- more confidence than what we'll kind of what we discussed here so far, you know, the SEC media, maybe even some of the fan base out there of, um, you know, what this team can be. Now, of course, you know, a lot can change. You got to go through a fall camp and I don't want to, you know, lo- rely on injuries or anything, but th- that can happen. Uh, other teams out there are trying just as hard as Florida. You know, Florida's not the only team that feels disrespected. Florida's not the only team that thinks they feel good at this moment in time. Uh, but I think it was a surprise for me just to hear Napier come across that way. I mean, he's clearly, I mean, he sees these guys in practice. So, I mean, he obviously sees more than us, but I will say this. I mean, even if it maybe isn't the talent, what that excites him. Maybe it's just the culture that he's building yeah. 
and him just saying the guy's work is what excites him. Right. That, you know what? That just crossed my mind. Like, you know, it could be just a, you know, this is a, another moment for him to go to Nashville and in front of media, in front of his own players and all that to kind of, you know, you know, rally his team a little bit, uh, speak good about his team, you know, maybe build, you know, some confidence in some ways. Uh, don't get me wrong. It, everything matters when, you know, there's 60 minutes you're on the field, you go out there and get punched in the mouth. We've all heard that saying before and things change, you know, so all, you know, all the preparation and stuff, you know, for the next four or five weeks going into that Utah game, uh, you know, that, 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 that's where it's, you know, what they did in Nashville last week ain't really going to matter in the end. Uh, but yeah, I still think it's, uh, Nice to hear some confidence. Nice to be surprised, maybe by some confidence. But uh, you hope that translates into what this team's going to put together the next four or five weeks in preparation for the season. Yeah, I mean, the consensus opinion is that the offensive line is going to be nothing to write home about, and I think that's what's driving a lot of the six and six and even worse predictions. But you know, Napier made a big bet on Sale, Ron Rob Sale, and. I think part of his confidence is if guys start coming through like Robert Hunt, Dodson, mm. Max Mitchell, Louisiana. I mean, because that's the thing that I think we could all be wrong about. If the offensive line is elite, if it's truly elite this year, then all of our thinking about the team is probably wrong. Those of us who are you know, skeptical. Right. Uh, that's that unit. I, mean, I hate to put so much on one unit, but the way this team is constructed right now, <laughs> you're, you're right. That can be that. That can be it. That can be the the difference in this team. Uh, yeah, and I think we. Know, I won't say no. I think we expect this defense to be better, and I think that will keep Florida in some of these games, and it will keep the games close. But it's going to be this offensive line. It's going to be some coaching decisions that really, uh, I think, make the difference in this team. I think this defense can be good enough to say, "All right, Florida, you're you're, you're six and six. All right, now offensive line." Now run game, now coaching decisions. There's your seventh win. There's your eighth win. There's your possible ninth win uh, if you if you want to go along with that. I, I do think this defense can be good enough to get Florida to, to six and six, uh, but as kind of you know, what o- Ojo was saying right there is, all right, now if this offensive line can start you know, producing you know, the talent that those names he named that, that were at Louisiana that are now in the NFL, uh, you get that type of play. From you know, and, and development from from Coach Sale, and uh, to to go along with that, you you hope that uh, compounds the wins uh, and kind of upsets the narrative for this Gator team. I mean, I don't, I don't really feel that bad about the left side of the line. It's the right side's really the ones that's, that's kind of got got me wondering, you know, because I don't know what, what what direction we're gonna go go for the right side, but the left side was you know Barber and. Bazooka and I, you know, I don't feel too bad about Kingsley either. I, f- I feel like Kingsley's had his moments where he's, he's, he's played well. So, I mean, it's just the right sides. I feel like it's going to be the side, you know, we're going to be, you know, questioning the whole year. Well, Richie Leonard, he played good last year. So I, I just don't know about our tackle situation at the right tackle. That's where I'm going to go now, uh, especially with Goodwin uh, and that the news last week, the unfortunate news that he's transferring out. And now it looks like on the right side, I mean, do you pencil in Damian George? I think you might have been penciling him in there before anyway. But now Lindell Hudson comes in after spring and he's got a whole lot of starts under his belt. Um, I'm eager to see that, too. I don't think Hudson came in to you know sit on, sit behind George. Uh, I, I don't I don't think, but. 
Uh, apparently, you know, the staff likes George. There was some, you know, praise from him from Nick Saban last week and, and Cole Kublik. I think they were together uh, when, when that came out saying how good of a you know athlete he is. But you know, I think we're still waiting for that. Uh, at least at Alabama, it didn't translate on anywhere of a consistent basis uh, where he could stay on the field. You know, they, they took him off the field. He was benched. Uh, there by Alabama. So for Nick, Sab- I mean, look, that could have been lip service from Nick Saban. Nick Saban's not going to talk bad about some uh, a player right, right there at SEC media days, but you know, I don't think he's going to blow smoke either. Uh, at the same time, so I, I don't know how to take that comment by Nick Saban um, uh, about Damian George, but uh, there's there, you know, there's something to work with. Uh, you hope that experience that he has at Alabama. You, you hope uh, we talked about offensive line coaching and development uh, that they that they get something there. Uh, but you know, I, I'm I'm eager to see where this puts. Uh, I mean, I'm not so sure Goodwin was starting this year anyway. I think uh, even with the high recruit, um, you know, profile that he had, I'm not sure he was the guy this year. Uh, I think he could have been developed into being the guy after this year. Uh, but now uh, I, I'm interested to see what happens with Hudson and Georgia at, at right tackle, and if Hudson can come in and you know take all those snaps that he had. Uh, his previous stops to come in and start at Florida. That is the biggest question still. You know, it was the question we had coming out of spring. Feel better about the left side. You hope Mizuka can come. And sounds like the timeline. You know, Billy Napier told us last week in Nashville that timeline for him seems to be good where he'll be probably playing game one, maybe limited when fall camp starts. He's not a full go when fall camp starts, but – uh, and can do enough, I, I would think, you know, to get back in the rotation a bit uh, where you figure out that left side. But, uh, you know, yeah, Kingsley maybe elevating his play from last year. I want to see what Barber can do with all the starting reps that left tackle in the spring, in this fall camp that he necessarily didn't get last year. Uh, and then, you know, we still, you know, we still got those questions on the right side. Uh, but that Hudson-George battle, uh, if it's going to be a battle, uh, I, I would expect it to be. Uh, with Hudson's snap count, but um, I don't know. That that's that 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 is the biggest question right there on the right side. Well, e- either way, I, I I feel like you know Hudson and uh, and Georgia both play. I, I think that uh, I mean I, I maybe Georgia is just not good enough to start at Alabama, but he's just he's good enough to start at Florida though. That, I mean that's that's kind of in my outlook about about George. Maybe maybe it's just like he was a guy that's. Needing so a few more years of seasoning to be a Bama starter, but he's re- ready right away to start at Florida. And correct me if I'm wrong. I think Ocho's getting ready to hop in here too. And I know he could probably say this, but you guys maybe hop in too. When Tarquin came back last year, didn't him and Barber kind of split a, a, a bit? You know, there wasn't really a did it did it change game to game, or were they just kind of you know rotating in at that right side? Yeah, they they definitely they definitely were rotating in. I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's the main reason why Tarkin transferred because it's like he had to split reps because I felt like he felt like he should have been the starter there, you know, since he had started yeah. so many games. Ocho, are you gonna hop in there? I saw the mic. Oh, yeah, I was just gonna say with George. I mean, he's. Uh... You could you could see why the staff took him. He's big. He's long armed. He has the NFL measurables. He's strong as an ox. Like I actually, the reason why I was so adamant about it, I thought he was a guard is like he is a road grading run blocker for sure. Um, so you worry like kick and slide. Like he doesn't 
he just seems a little bit athletically limited. Quicker edge rushers can get around him. But what I'm starting to warm to is Odom is such a plus blocker at tight end, especially for a young guy. You mm. feel it even as room to get better. If you pair him on that side, it takes a little bit of the, you know, the threat of the edge rushers away. And then if you're looking at, you know, kind of a three technique or even fives coming over and playing off of George's shoulder, I like those matchups actually. So for as much as I don't like him as a prototypical tackle, I, I think in this offense it could make sense. That's a good point. I guess that's probably one position we're looking for. Uh, maybe a surprise player <laughs> would be the tight end position, right? <laughs> um, I, I expect Odom to play. I, I like what I saw from him last year uh, in, in some of those roles. And then Bordingham being more the, the playmaker, hopefully, uh, in that position. We'll see if uh, he can come along. Uh, you know, and we haven't seen it yet. Uh, and being able to kind of come back around and uh, maybe come back around from, from spring where – it sounds like he turned some heads, uh, and by the time Florida goes to play Utah, he's just one of those you know weapons Utah did not expect because you know, Florida didn't use him last year. He, did, he was hurt last year, uh, and it's something that you unearth uh, in spring fall camp that you uh, you know can get ready for that you can kind of surprise uh, Utah with, and hopefully the the rest of the season as well. Yeah, I mean. I mean, uh, I, I feel like, you know, I, if we could just use Boardingham as like kind of like the H-back type guy, which I'm sure that's what we're going to use him, you know, is more what Zipper was and, and use like Odom in the red zone. If it, I'm not sure when he's going to be healthy or not, but it's like, it seems like, you know, the few, few you know, the touchdowns he caught, you know, the very few of them were in the red zone. I feel, I feel like that'd be, a, you know, kind of go too tight end or something and use, use, use uh, Boardingham as more as a, you know, H-back. I think so. I think that I, I would. I would imagine that's the that's the that's the fault. I was trying to go back and look while we were talking about this. I remember Rob Sale. I'm pretty sure he was talking about Damian George, but you know what position they brought him into, and then I think it was changing uh, during spring practice. Uh, but I thought he had a quote about, you know, you know we, we brought him in as a tackle or guard. I can't remember what position he said, and we plan on keeping him there. But then I think it changed at some point during the spring. Yeah, I mean, Sale's story was that he was always a tackle. He was okay. always going to stay a tackle. But, I mean, I'm not saying he's he's lying. It's just it's a lot easier to, to say that based on the yeah. low tackle rotation we have now. If we had brought in some of those other tackles, either Simmons or uh, – some of the more acclaimed veteran guys' story might have been different. Yep, you're right. There it is. It said, on whether Damian George is playing inside or outside, he'll stay outside for us. We've got inside guys, but right now, obviously, we've signed him for a tackle, and we need depth there as well, so he'll stay out there. Uh, but we got some really, really good young inside guys we're really happy with. So there you go. Yep. Because I knew there was a specific quote about that. <laughs> I had to go through the notes and find it. You guys should see like my episode notes, by the way. It's just like it even takes forever to load up now because there's just so much there. Um, I got I to gotta start a new one. I, I need to probably before this season starts in, in about a month or so, I'll be, I'll be starting a, a new season note. Most of us, you know, like. Got, got you. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, most of us just like, you know, qu- quotes from coaches and 
especially if in the springtime and, you know, this is the only time we get to hear from the assistant coaches. Uh, so I try to keep that stuff uh, to, to get easily found uh, when I want to go back for stuff like that. Uh, but then, uh, yeah, there's just uh, most of it's in notes, stats, notes uh, and, and stuff. It's kind of, kind of ridiculous. So when I go back and look at it, maybe uh, when I'm old and crepid one day, that's how the, that's how the book would be written. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Dave, I got a question. Yeah. So regarding Kamari Wilson, uh, I saw his weight go up a lot, and I heard there were some rumors in the offseason that he was might make that transition on the linebacker. Have we heard anything regarding him? I haven't as far as the position change. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, he, he did. The, that weight game was there. Um, I would assume it was done purposefully. Um I do think it is a Moten Miguel Mitchell safety combo right now. That's where I'd lean. Um, does if Kamari Wilson wants to be a Gator, does that mean okay he will make a move, the move uh, to, to linebacker? Um, we'll see. Um, I think from what I can gather, yeah, that's that's. That's where they see his future. Like if he maybe even wants the future, that's probably where it should be. Uh, but you know, at the same time, I don't know what he thinks uh, about that. I know we all heard the transfer rumors in the spring, and uh, you know, maybe based on that, and then you know, Moten coming in late, he didn't really have the opportunity to. Uh, but right now, I'd say it starts Moten Mitchell uh, and. I don't know what that means for him. Uh, I'll, I'll still leave that. I haven't heard anything about uh, a position change uh, unless somebody else in here has. I mean, just to give some context on how big that is, like they listed him as 220 mm -hmm. and Am Chancellor is like 99th percentile for the NFL combine as like a huge safety. He was 230 pounds at the combine and he's three inches taller than Kamari. So if <laughs> If they're trying to put weight on him, I don't think it's to stay at safety. I think I think he's personally going to transfer out by the end of the season, especially with all these talented linebackers coming in in this cycle, assuming we keep all of them. Good point. Uh, yeah. I think the writing may be on the wall for him if he's looking for playing time. And the staff really likes Robinson from the last class, and I know he maybe glossed over him uh, as a freshman. He had a really good spring. Um and the staff is pretty high on him and what he was able to do. Uh, now, he got some playing time in. You know, Florida was beat up at linebacker a little bit in the springtime, so he probably got a little more playing time than he normally would have uh, as a true freshman, but he made the most of that opportunity in the spring. So James Robinson uh, out of Columbia, um, from what I can gather, they, they were impressed with what they saw from him. So, yeah, you add him uh, to what Florida's doing at linebacker now, and, yeah, maybe, maybe that plays into it a little bit. I just find it funny that if you remember all those little clips that uh, the Gator football team was posting on their little Twitter account, half of them was of Austin Armstrong yelling at Kamari during practice, which I thought was funny. <laughs> I hope it all works out for him. You know, he was Napier's first big recruit. Um, you know, I think it would, granted, I mean, you know, whatever happens, happens. I think it would be cool to say the first big recruit turned into something at Florida under Napier. Uh, you know, if it doesn't, I'm not going to sit here and say that's any any doom scenario for for Billy Napier or anything like that. But it, it would just be a it would be a nice story uh, if you could say that that first big 
you know, quote unquote steal of his first, you know, his transition class turned out to, you know, to be an impactful player for the Gators. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Kirby and Nick Saban, they sign guys like Kamari who turn out to be busts pretty much every year. Right. But we just right. noticed it because we only got one five star guy. They get, you know, four or five in the secondary some years. Right. We put so much on that one because it was like, yeah, Napier come in and he got one over Kirby right away. And we're, you know, we're still, you know, this this will probably be the year we get our answer what Kamari Wilson's going to be at Florida. Uh, well, we're good. Um, well, reg- regard regardless of whether whether I, f- I feel like Kamari was going to be good or not, I, th- I still feel like we needed a veteran like R.J. Moten, you know. Oh yeah. Because I feel, feel I feel like that, you know. Even I mean, Kamari had his moments where he played played okay last year, but then he had other moments where it's just like, oh god, dude, what what were you doing? So I mean, I mean, I it was good that you know just to reiterate, I I think it was good that we brought in R.J. Moten. I mean, I don't think he's he's going to be like all SEC or nothing, but I think he'll do a solid job, you know. And it's like even if Kamari you know, plays a little bit at safety or they like, like move him to linebacker, you know, it's still still nice that we brought in R.J. Moten. Look, he was still part of a pretty good Michigan defense uh, the last couple of years. Uh, played a lot of football. Uh, I know late last season it didn't go too well for him. Uh, they take him out and, you know, the TCU game, uh, Michigan couldn't do much right. And I'm not going to sit here and say it was because Moten was on the sideline. <laughs> you know, they took him out and, oh, he was the, he was the linchpin in that defense. So TCU went crazy on that defense. Now, no, he's not that guy. Uh, but, you know, he was still part of a good defense there. And uh, I'd like to see how he, how he translates. And, you know, there was some talk of they didn't know really where to play him. Um, and, hey, look, we're kind of, kind of talking about that with Kamari right now, but there was some talk, you know, maybe them trying to make him a linebacker at Michigan as well, and that maybe didn't sit right with him. Uh, you know, so he was maybe stuck between a rock and a hard place there at Michigan, and maybe it was just time to move on uh, to get a fresh start at Florida. And, hey, I mean, I, he he's at least going to be serviceable. I mean, I, I, I see – I have a hard time saying he's going to come in and be some god-awful player. Yeah, that, that – go ahead. Sorry about that. No, you're good. No, I was I was just in agreement with you, Dave. I mean, I was uh, I just feel like you know he's he's going to be be decent. I don't I don't you know, and that that would be a, a you know huge upgrade from what what we've had the past couple of years. If he could just be okay, I think that would be that would be a home run at, at this point. Yeah, I was just going to say he's actually my my guy on defense that I would call a dark horse All SEC candidate because it'd be pretty easy to rack up a bunch of picks the with his coverage skills, his range. Um, I could easily see him having a five-pick season. Ocho, how would you maybe translate his game and maybe what Corey Raymond taking over? You know, is there any kind of correlation there where that might take off? Yeah, I mean, look, I, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I don't know anything more than Jim Harbaugh, but I think Corey Raymond might. So um, <laughs> the, 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 the good news is um, – his cover skills are elite. Like you watch it on film, it checks out. You look at the stats. I mean, he, he doesn't give up air yards. So if you're going to have him as a rangey safety covering, you know, really typically the field side, uh, he, he makes a lot of sense there. So I, why Michigan didn't see that, you know, who knows? Like they know stuff we don't know. But, um, but yeah, so I, he makes sense to me there. The thing about it is if you look at why he was benched, it was two specific games that like he really flashed 
weaknesses tackling in space. And the two guys were Sam Laporta for Iowa, who <laughs> I don't know what safety is tackling that guy. There's even NFL safeties who struggle to tackle that guy next year. And then the other one was, um, I can't remember his last name, Charlie from uh, Purdue, the speedy slot receiver. And it's like, okay, he's also a third round pick. Like you're, you got to take what you can get from, from these college guys. I mean, to expect them to be elite in coverage, open field tacklers. I mean, there just aren't that many guys like that. So if you gave me the choice between an A-plus cover guy or an A-plus tackler at safety, give me the cover guy. And for what we've seen at safety the last few years, give me somebody who's at least going to get a good angle. Give me somebody who can communicate. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Um, I, I, the move was absolutely needed. Yeah, I, I think he had to go get somebody uh, like that. I'm glad they went there and got somebody who's got a ton of experience and, 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 and experience in a good defense. Who knows how to win as well the last couple of years. All right, guys, if you can bubble wrap a player, who are you bubble wrapping? Who can Florida not – don't go quarterback. Who can Florida not go without this year? Princely. Princely. Cam Jackson. Ooh. Cam? I like both of those. With the lack of depth at the outside edge rusher, mm. I don't know if we have another guy that could step in and be anywhere close as productive, at least what we're projecting Princely to be. That's a good point. You know, that was the way I thought about Pearsall on offense, but I do think we probably like the potential there of some of the young receivers and some of the receivers who have been around, but, you know, I think we're probably a little more confident in them breaking out more so than, and not to say anything bad about him, but, you know, Pyburn being so young uh, and breaking out or, you know, relying on a TJ Searcy as a true freshman. Uh, yeah, you know, I went with Pierce Saul because of that reason on offense and, and the receivers, but you might be right there with Princely. There's just there's there's it's very little behind him. <laughs> there, there, there really is. I I'd be worried if he went down to you know who is going to rush the quarterback. Who's gonna set the edge, Dave? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, this won't be a bubble wrap player, but this was maybe the underrated that we could be discussing by season's end. I'm looking at a Justice Boone type. You know, he's he's not getting talked about anywhere, uh, and I'm eager to see how Florida being deeper up front, being able to play guys more in position, not having to shuffle so much, uh, what that means for all the players along the defensive line. But you know, almost kind of somebody who may be undersung a little bit, and that's somebody like Justice Boone. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see Justice Boone play 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 the uh play the edge position. You know, Princely Princely needs a blow or something. I'd I'd love to you know with how big he is and how physical he is. I'd I'd love to see him play a little bit of edge. You know, if, if uh you know Princely Princely needs a blow. Yeah, I think they'll move some guys around too. Um, I can see Nunnery coming in and playing edge in certain situations. I do think Scooby will be that guy every now and then as well. I don't think it'll be, oh, Princely's out, so it's automatically Pyburn or Searcy. Uh, I, I think you, you'll see some of those linebackers drop down uh, and be that edge guy as well. Um, so some of those guys staying on the field a bit more. But um, Nunnery, uh, uh, Robinson, the linebacker I mentioned earlier, 
can maybe fit in that role. Oh, you guys still got me. Oh yeah, we're still, we'll start. We'll, we'll, excuse me, we're still here. Good, because uh, on my recording, I lost my camera. I don't know what happened there, but. And I'm back. There we go. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, mean, I think. And speaking of Princely, there's that interview with him. I hope you guys have listened to it. If you're plus members, you've had it early. It will be out for everybody else uh, later on. Uh, but really good interview with him, but somebody I'm excited to see. But yeah, I don't I don't think it's totally set in stone. Okay, all you have is Pyburn and and um seriously behind him. Now I'm 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 eager to see what those guys can do. Um but I think there's some other guys that have a little bit more experience as well uh that can maybe fill in at, at the same time. Prince has got a great personality, by by the way. Yeah, he really does. Um, you never know what you're getting with these players. Sometimes <laughs> when you're, you, you know, <laughs> some some of them are really quiet. Cool. Like Jason Marshall, he was straight to the point last week at SEC Media Days. You weren't getting much out of him. Uh, uh, so sometimes those guys, I won't necessarily say freeze up. They're just they're just not talkers, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but if you can get the ones that want to explain and go out and extend the conversation a little bit. Now, sometimes that's on the host a little bit. You got to, you got to bring that out of them and get it out of them. And SEC media days is certainly a much different format and sitting down and doing a podcast and stuff. I think, you know, we could probably, if, if a podcaster out there like myself or, you know, so requesting, you know, if you can get Jason Marshall, we could probably get a little bit more out of him. Uh, but, you know, Princely, you know, he still was, he was, he was still bringing it. He was still bringing it. And I, I really enjoyed it. Just got a text from Will Miles, so you know, with with summer being you know busy and can't really set schedules too much, you know, vacations, and he's got kids and baseball and all that stuff. It's like probably starting next week, and it kind of just times out, of course, with fall camp and all that good stuff. Uh, so we'll probably be more uh, back on a normal rotation every week with Will Miles. Gator football is coming. Will. It is. Drop the family. <laughs> <laughs> I got some other things coming too this fall. Uh, hopefully, can announce those things soon. Um, I'll give you guys first, uh, you know, first dibs of, of of knowing what it is. But uh, got some got some new things coming along the way. Change the game a little bit. You know, I'm kind of excited to see what uh, Derek Wingo has in store. If mm. he could have himself a full season of being healthy, I think he could be in for a really big year. He's definitely ready. Um, I got to hang out with him, when was this? Mid-late May. Uh, I was doing some stuff for Florida Victorious with a few players. Uh, him, Montreal Johnson, and... And Justice Boone, I got to hang out with those three guys for a little bit, and he's just itching to get out there. Um, he feels that way too. He feels there's a lot left that we have not seen because of just some situations. Uh, learning a new position, being injured last year, you know, since his career at Florida, you know, learning a new position, then being injured last year. Um, he's he's 
he's ready to go out there and prove a, a lot of people wrong as as well. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm he's he's really determined uh, to, to to be that guy, and I hope it translates. I think he gets overlooked a bit because you know he has been here and we highly highly, highly recruited. Uh, had those stars behind his name, and just still kind of waiting. Uh, so I'm, I'm eager to see it as well. well spe- speaking of edge guys, that like Wingo was the edge in high school. It's like that that'd be a guy if, if they ever decided that you know they wanted an extra guy. I feel like Wingo, if he could be healthy, mm. be another 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 nice nice guy to come off the edge too. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, one more topic I want to get to you guys with, and we'll probably call it after this one. But what do you feel about all the talk with Billy Napier and his play calling? You know, like how long are are you willing to give it? Is 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 two seasons enough? Um, and I've went into this argument too many times, probably on YouTube for you know all the comments. Got so many comments about. The offense was terrible and blah, blah, blah last year and all that. The offense wasn't terrible. You know, quit taking everything to the extreme. Wasn't it as good as we wanted it to be? No. Was it as consistent as we wanted it to be? No. But just don't sit here and call it terrible. That's just, you know, if, if you're that ticked off, then, you know, your, your, your narrative needs to go somewhere else. Uh, it wasn't terrible, but is two years enough? Uh, if it's what we saw last year and – Maybe what some expect this year. Okay, just say it's average this year. Are you willing to still, you know, are you still maybe even uh, feel he's the right guy to call plays down the road? Do you hope he gives it up and, and get somebody else in here? Uh, I'm still of the mind that um, I'm okay with him calling plays if, if he wants to change it up just because he's the head coach and wants to be more of a CEO role and, and wants to share some of the responsibility than – I'm all, I'm all up for it, but I'm also at the same time I'm not I'm not ready to see him give it up. I I, I you know I'd like to I'd like to see what he could do um, with somebody like a DJ Lagway, uh, but I don't know the timeline for Billy Napier calling plays or not if it if it matches up or not. I think. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I think. Um, the interesting part about it is, in my opinion, was Anthony Richardson because how would I have viewed that same offense if Dan Mullen was calling plays? You know, I think there could have been more success if maybe the play calling and the play style was just a little different. That doesn't necessarily, in my opinion, put full judgment on Napier, but I think it could have been better even for what it was. I will not disagree with you. I, and yeah, I didn't mean to make it sound like, and you, and you guys know you've listened to me for the last you know year or so. I didn't mean to make it sound like it was perfect or anything like that. I'm just willing to let it play out a little more. I guess is what is probably the best way I can say it. I mean, excuse me. My my thoughts are is like I, I don't think I don't think Billy's like a you know an elite play caller. I think he's like maybe a top forty play caller, but he's it's like I don't think he's bad where it's like oh we're losing games because of him but it's like i think he's yeah. you know going back to what you said about uh you know if he has an average year calling plays you know are we do you think he should give it up i think it's like it goes by wins or losses like if he's average you know and we're when we won eight games it's like you you kind of we don't have kind of a you know nothing but a choice to give him an, another chance but 
I mean, I, I think he's a good play caller. I just, I just think, you know, pe- people are get are just, are just, you know, losing their minds over everything. And it's like, it, it was, there was multiple things we lost games because of it. Wasn't just, you know, the offense went flat some games. It was, you know, a million different reasons we were losing games last year, you know, besides, you know, the offense. Yeah, I said it in the episode, two things really stick out. If the defense is better, I don't even think it's talked about hardly at all. And, you know, the we know that we, we got to do some fixing. We got to do some improvement late first half, early second half. Probably my biggest my biggest attractor was coming out of halftime. We, we, it just seemed like, well, now it could have been players. It could have it been Napier, but it's, it, it ultimately falls on him either way. Uh, but coming out of halftime, I've I've got to see some improvement there. Uh, now, whether something changes, you know, of course, every coach does this. But I think the 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 narrative and the message from me, and I think we've seen it resonate in recruiting, is you know adapt and evolve. And I think they did that uh, to a point. And now that needs to we need to see that play out on the field this year as well. So we need to see some better, you know. Better time management, better clock management, better play calls, late first half, early second half, uh, and let that not be such a, a detractor to this Gator team. I actually think that the offense should be viewed in a prism outside of wins and losses. Uh, something that we've had here between Jim McElwain and the Will Muschamp offenses at some point, you know, there were some points where we were winning and the offenses were still putrid. I mean, I think regardless of wins or losses, it, were, it could be a six-win season or a nine-win season. I think the offense needs to be judged in its own prism before we decide as a community what should uh, go on with it. So glad you brought that up because when we look at Jim McElwain's 2015 offense with Will Greer in the same line of Florida didn't have that defense. No, probably not. <laughs> I mean, that offense was good. Don't get me wrong, but it is lauded because it was better than what we saw under Will Muschamp. We were coming off of a Muschamp year, so any kind of points <laughs> we were so happy to see. But at the same time, you had that defense that got them the ball so many times, and you and you know, don't that that offense wasn't lighting the scoreboard on fire. Well, with that, with that being said, it's like, uh, and never in Billy's career was he as bad as what Nussmeyer was. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll say that. You know, <laughs> and it's true. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, twenty fifteen was it was that that was okay. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to pull it up here. Bro, Nussmeyer wasn't as bad as Nussmeyer was at Florida. That's why he got the dang Florida job. <laughs> <laughs> In New Mexico State, okay, Florida won 61-13, 382 passing, 224 rushing. Okay. Then East Carolina passing 15 to 25 for 205, rushing 168. So, okay, what you kind of I mean, it was 373 total yards of offense versus East Carolina. Yeah, 245 total yards versus Kentucky that year. 392 versus Tennessee. Against Ole Miss, you had 355, but we just know how opportunistic that offense was, and the big plays were there. You jumped up early in that game. Um, Will Greer's last game, total offense 337. So that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> you go by total yardage. 
I'm saying that all that 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 offense because of Will Greer has some rosy shades on it. Yeah, it, it definitely did, and but it uh, but I th- I think didn't if I I may y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but di- didn't they average around like 24, 25 points a game when we're we had Nuss Meyer at the helm? I'll look it up right now. Yeah, thirty one points versus okay, so sixty one versus New Mexico State. This is that for this is that twenty fifteen year. Thirty one versus East Carolina, fourteen versus Kentucky, twenty eight versus Tennessee with the uh, Greer to Callaway. Uh, 38 versus Ole Miss, 21 versus Missouri. I mean, so you got 20, 28 versus Tennessee that year. That's not bad. 38 versus that Ole Miss team, that really good Ole Miss team was really good. But, you know, I, I think because of because of Greer to Callaway and then the very next week beating the brakes off of Ole Miss, I think, you know, that offense gets remembered a little better than it really was. 23.2, according to ESPN, for the season. Yeah, that's where I thought it was around there. I thought thought it was pretty low. Yeah, it was um, yeah, mostly Treon Harris. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and I still remember not feeling too bad about him. I mean, that his first game was at LSU, remember, and he threw for 271. In his first action, seventeen to thirty-two, he was a young quarterback. I think the real problem was is when they brought in their own quarterbacks in year two. Mm-hmm. They still averaged twenty-three points a game. Doesn't according to ESPN in twenty sixteen they averaged twenty-three point nine. Hey, my biggest, my biggest. They they didn't let Treon run enough. There wasn't enough design runs. Um, that that was my biggest detractor. My biggest complaint with that offense. They, they didn't play to Treon Harris enough. No, he he's he's the type of guy you want to throw you want to throw ten times a game. Like the way that the Muschamp had that <laughs> that where they ran ran the ball, you know, just about wishbone or whatever is what they should have been doing with Treon Harris. Not not, you know, he's <laughs> not a guy that can, he couldn't even see over the offensive line and McWayne's wanting to throw the ball with him. Something for another day, another topic I do want to get into. You know, can can Florida find a can a freshman receiver be anything like Antonio Callaway in 2015? Well, you definitely think that Andy Gene would be that guy if, if it was gonna be a guy that you know that was gonna <clears throat> step up and be the guy, you think it'd be Andy Gene with a smooth route running. So I was trying to look it up. Let's see. I mean, the receivers that year, I remember. I just wanted to make sure I got them right. They were That group was not anything to write home about. So it was ripe for a true freshman to come in. Antonio Callaway, Demarcus Robinson, and Brandon Powell. Callaway, 35 catches. Demarcus Robinson, 47 catches. Brandon Powell, 29. So that's three guys right there. Nobody else had higher than six. And that includes Amon Fullwood, Valdez Showers, Chris Thompson, of course. 
uh, and Alvin Bailey with three. I know this is unrelated. And Jake McGee with the tight end with 41, by the way. Go ahead. Just a little fun fact. Yeah. Will Muschamp averaged more points per game in his first two seasons than Jim McElwain. <laughs> hmm. Hey, I, I did not expect that stat. I remember enjoying that 2012 Jeff Driscoll, Jordan Reed, Mike Gillisley offense. Not because they lit the world on fire, but opportunistic, clutch at the end. Yeah, the way the way we beat Florida State, so it's like the yeah. way I liked about it. I mean, that was that was my favorite win that year. And then it was it was A and M and Tennessee back to back weeks. Jeff Driscoll, he made some heck of a throws in those two games. Yeah, he did. I go back. I think the most underutilized player in that whole era was Almarius Hines. Oh yeah, he. He was like a burner. He, I was like, man, how can you not find a way to get this guy the ball? Because I think it was two, 2010, Mississippi State came to the swamp and they had to play him at running back, and he actually did pretty well, but they only gave him the ball four times. Was that the year that Dan Mullen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that had to have been the year that Dan Mullen upset us in the Yep, that was it. That was the game I was talking about, yep. Man, I'm going down a rabbit hole here. I need to stop. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, was, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll I was finish a big it. fan of Marius Do what? I said, I, I said, I'm sorry. I, I, was, I was a big fan of Marius Hines. I feel like he could have been had a big career, but I don't, I don't know why they can't. Like you said, couldn't figure out how to get the ball in his hands. Yeah. All right, guys. That was fun. Really good fun chat. Season right around the corner. I don't want to decide how I do this. Trying to get some more members in here. I may put this whole chat on on YouTube or something. I haven't decided yet. But with the season around the corner, it might be a nice little tease for non-members to get them to hop in here. But all right. Well, thank you for having us. We appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yes, thank you. All right. Thank you. Gators Breakdown Plus members. And these chats will be happening more often with the season around the corner. Catch you next time.